This month we're looking at generosity, but on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we want to weave together generosity and gratitude because there is a not just a, they don't just correlate, they absolutely connect together. And so I want to start off this morning with three what-if questions that I want you to think about for your own heart and for your life. Question number one is, what if the journey of generosity and gratitude is learning how to put God first in our lives? Specifically, generosity and gratitude, what if that area, those areas specifically, is you and I training and learning how to put God first? What if by specifically fixing our first, which is the focus this morning, that we are posturing our hearts to set sail against the headwinds of cynicism and criticism that so plague our culture today? And what if gratitude and generosity, what if these principles, what if they're so hard to put into practice on a daily basis, daily basis. What if they are so hard and the reason why it is so hard is because they remain holy. And by practicing these things, they actually create a separation. They set us apart, not a better than anybody else, but they set us apart as followers of Jesus. Who's on the throne of our hearts? Is it God or is it us? What if these things are hard because they actually set us apart? Because again, generosity and gratitude are two principles that we see right from the book of Genesis, right the way through the book of Revelation, all the way through the entire Bible. They are things that Jesus himself spoke of time and time and time again. But generosity and gratitude are interwoven practices for you and I in learning how to put God first. Because what you put first and what I seek first, what we do in those moments by putting first and seeking first, that is truly what we worship. It's not always what our lips say. It's what our lives show. And that's one of the hearts that we want to dig into this morning. If I took you to the book of Genesis, I would show you that God created humanity and it gives humanity the entire run of the earth the entire run, but there's one tree. Everyone say one tree. There's one single tree that God said, that's mine, that's not yours. It's holy, it's set apart, it's not yours, it's mine. And we as humans go, this tree? And we get as close to it as we can because again, the human heart often is, God, you're holding back on me and I don't trust that because I don't trust that, then I'm gonna do it all myself. And so sin and brokenness enters the world and God, who could have been just and only just, we see God right from the book of Genesis as God is both just and he is loving. God isn't A, B, C, or D. In other words, God isn't love and grace and then wrath and truth. No, no, God is love and from his love flows all of those things. You and I have had authority or parents or whatever it happens to be in our lives that, or you are one today, that none of us do that perfectly, but God alone does. And so again, you and I can look and we can see that God gives us the Ten Commandments. And the very first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, if you cannot, you cannot keep the remaining nine unless you keep the first one. And by not keeping the first one, we break the remaining nine. It is this heart that you and I see. 
Because gratitude, much like generosity, they flourish when they are given from a heart of love, trusting God as our source and the true supplier of all that we need. Have you ever noticed reading through the Scriptures, whether it was a widow's oil in the, New, in the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah, or whether it is the New Testament and a little boy who gave his entire lunch, have you noticed that God can do significant things with the small offerings that we give? Because there is something powerful about you and I trusting who God is enough to fix our first. Everyone say, fix our first. That's what we want to talk about. But just before we get there, when we talk about generosity this month, this is what we're articulating as a value. We give generously with joy because our generosity is a reflection of our love. Never just a percentage or a duty, but it's a delight. And we start where others stop, not in an unhealthy comparison, just understanding that generosity changes lives. It changes ours and it changed those to whom God gives us the privilege of being a blessing. And you have a perfect illustration of it this morning. Your generosity, your giving will bless 576 plus people next month. You may not see tangibly the moment, unless you volunteer in the food bank, but you may not see the moment, but what you did this week mattered to somebody else's life. Generosity changes your heart because you could have just spent that on yourself, but you chose to engage it from a different place. And that generosity does something for you, but it also blesses somebody else this month. So generosity changes our lives. So again, when we talk about either of these principles on Thanksgiving Sunday, gratitude or generosity as we're looking at this month, we're talking about love, not law. We're talking about delight, not duty. This is the heart of it. We need to think about it this way. There are two things that God knows. God often speaks about our words and he speaks about our finances. He speaks about our words and our finances. Not that he's in need of them because God is sovereign in of himself and can do whatever God chooses to do. Yet he uses our words and he uses our finances to be a blessing. But again, it's not as though he needs them. But when he touches those things, he touches them because those two things, the words with which we express and the things that we give, those two things have the power to touch our hearts in a way that almost nothing else does. For example, has anyone here ever been having a difficult day and somebody comes along and just gives you a word of encouragement and literally you're, it's like this breath of oxygen into your lungs? It doesn't change everything, but it's a nice moment. It's a pause. It's the encouragement flows into you. Has anyone ever had the opposite true? where you're having a good day, and then you see them, whoever them is. Maybe they're at church, maybe they're at work. And one of the things that I always love to point out right now is as soon as I said that, you thought of some, somebody. Their face came right into your mind. I want to bless you with something, okay? Here's what I want you to know. You thought of somebody, and somebody thought of you. So we're all on equal ground here. But we've all had moments where I'm having a good day, things are great, and then somebody with their words. It's like we have a balloon, and it's full and they're just walking around with a pin. Some of you have the spiritual gift of finding balloons that are full and go, I'll show you what's wrong. <laughs> with our words, we build up, and with our words, we tear down. 
Generosity is not a feeling. Generosity is an ex- it, it has to come out. We can feel grateful for sure, but there is something powerful when we give hands and feet and words to that. If I was honest with you this morning, I would say for me personally, generosity is a principle that is not based on my feelings whatsoever. Every second Thursday, I take Lori and I take 10% of our of our income and we sow it back into the local church. Take 10% of it. I do it through recurring giving. I've also figured out personally all the, t- all the, um, the fees attached to it, and I've added it. For me, it's fixing my first. And it's become a principle. It doesn't matter if it's an abundant month or it's a tight month. It just is what it is. Yet on the other side of it, gratitude, I can't say the same thing. My life in gratitude is more aspirational than it is authentic. That God is still teaching me and growing me in the place of expressing gratitude, of being grateful. I like to think of myself as one who is a constant improver of others. (laughs) Or when you go to a restaurant and you're constantly trying to figure out how they could do this better. God gave some of you an unbelievable gift this week on the LRT. (laughs) As you stood on that platform for hours... And then boarded a bus, the same bus that they took away to give you the train. (laughs) I know your heart was just filled with gratitude. You looked around and said, there is no better way we could have spent $2.1 billion. There is no better way. I mean, there's no better way. I, like you, am just holding my breath and praying to the Lord of heaven that it works. The train works in the winter. (laughs) Because we can't figure out the doors. And so there's this moment like, Lord, I am grateful. I am grateful for the abundance of time that you've given me to practice patience. Lord, I, I, am, I am grateful that I am surrounded by geniuses right here. Lord, everybody here. If, if you're like me, though, we, 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 we are constant improvers. And so again, some of us, the very first thing that we do when we get up now in the morning, before our eyes are even fully awake, we're already complaining that we didn't get enough sleep the night before. Don't nudge somebody, but just like, right? So we're starting our day already cynical. And then to make it better, we think the next best thing we should do is go on social media because that's made everything better. Have you ever been having a good day and gone on social media and found yourself now filled with anxiety? Once again, scrolling through. Lord, where did all these idiots come from? <laughs> what, what, and all of a sudden you're having imaginary conversations with people that you don't even know. You go on Instagram and you're like, man, their life is awesome. Start looking at your life and it's not, Lord, I am grateful. Now it's like, man, I'm grumpy. And nothing has happened. Nothing has changed, and yet something on the inside changes. You know, gratitude, when it's given as a gift, doesn't come with a string attached. If gratitude is given with a string, it's not a compliment, it's a competition. And I've been guilty of that sometimes. Hey, you look good. And the reason why I'm saying that is 
now it's your turn. <laughs> How do I look? Hey, you look good. <laughs> no, you look good. <laughs> right? It's this string attached. You go to do someone for someone you love, whether it is uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, engaged spouse, kids, boss, coworker, whatever, and you're okay the first couple of times, but by the time you're on like the third or fourth time you've done something, you begin to have a scoreboard in your head. Wait a minute. I'm like winning this by like 900 to four. And all of a sudden, it's no longer a gift. It's something else. Generosity. If generosity is not freely given, it's not a gift of love, it's a loan. And it'll be called back at a different time. See, generosity is not a loan, it's a gift that we give. A loan is an entirely different thing. And so again, all I'm trying to simply say this morning is for those of us who know Jesus and love Jesus, and if you're here and you've never met Jesus before in terms of you've never surrendered your heart, Man, I hope, I pray today is your day that the Holy Spirit moves afresh, that next week we can be celebrating 53 and 54 and 55 because of the work that Jesus is doing. But at some point in our following Jesus, our love, as Pastor Gabe said so eloquently, we just sang a moment ago, God, I thank you that you love me just the way I am. And everyone said... Yet he loves you, and he loves you. Not erasing this, but because of this, he loves you so much, he's not going to leave you the way you are. And so in other words, he's going to allow you, at some point, the love that Jesus lavishly pours out on us has to move that we don't just let him love us, that we let him lead us. And the two most profound areas where we are constantly challenged to allow God's word and God's ways in the person of Jesus to not love us, but to lead us are in the areas often of gratitude and generosity. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or how you think about things, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And then this is something that Jesus said in Matthew 6, It's often quoted. But he said, but seek first. Everyone say, seek first. Okay, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things. All these things is everything else. It's like a catch-all statement. So seek first God's kingdom or the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Now, in 2019, you and I could mistakenly think that Jesus was talking about priorities and principles there that he's talking about the the power of prioritization. And sure, there's a message in there on that, absolutely. But to Jewish first readers or first hearers of that, they would have understood that seek first sounded a whole lot like first fruit. That there is something significant and powerful about your first. It is small and it may seem insignificant, but there is something powerful that we can look at as a practice in our lives that Pastor Barry talked about a number of years ago, perhaps even on a Thanksgiving. That when you roll out of bed tomorrow, if you're able to, roll out on your knees first and just take eight or ten seconds and express gratitude. God, I thank you for this day. Because you have two choices. You can roll into prayer or you can roll into anxiety. You can roll into surrender or you can roll into stress and you get to choose. You don't get to choose what the day is going to hold. You get to choose and trust who's holding your day. 
and it's different. Some of you are saying, I'm not going to roll out on my, uh, on my knees. I'm going to stay in bed under the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. But there's something significant about giving God your first, the first fruit. In Exodus chapter 13, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first. Everyone say the first. To open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and of beast is mine. This is what God said. It's the first. Dropping down a few verses, and some of you are going to take a deep breath here, and it's okay. You shall set apart. Everyone say set apart. So that means holy. You shall set apart to the Lord all the first that open the womb, opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, uh, you shall break its neck. We can talk about that if you come to Bible school. Not right now. Some of you are going, hey, what's that? That's a good Bible school primer there. It's not as it seems. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So there's a principle of the firstborn. There is a principle that when we give the first fruits, the first things, when we fix our first, when we trust God with this, He will redeem all of that. To put it in better perspective, together let's watch. Two men bring an offering to the Lord, one of the fruit of the ground, the other the firstborn of his flock. God accepts one and rejects the other. Why? Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The word tells us clearly that the offering Abel brought was the firstborn of his flock. But it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It simply says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Cain harvested his crops and over time gathered enough to bring an offering. It was an offering on Cain's terms. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the first of his increase. Cain's offering was rejected because it wasn't the first of his. Giving the first to God requires faith. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it's not possible to know how many more lambs that you might produce. But Abel gave his firstborn lamb in faith, whereas Cain made sure he had enough for himself before giving to God. Many of us treat God the same way as Cain, making sure we have enough money before we see if there's anything left for God. Even if we give from what's left over, God can't accept the offering because it's not the first fruit. Other stories emphasize this truth. In the account of the fall of Jericho, the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. All of it belonged to him, the Lord declared. Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was the first city conquered in the Promised Land. It was the first fruits. God withheld His blessing from Israel when one man took some of the spoils for himself. The first belongs to God. There was much more at stake than money when Abraham offered his firstborn son Isaac. When God asked for his son, Abraham didn't wait to have ten sons before giving Isaac. He gave the first when he only had one to give. Abraham had only the promise of having more sons, 
It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac, faith that God respected and blessed. And God did the same for us. He gave his first in the form of his son, his first and only begotten son, who was given to us while we were still sinners. God gave Jesus in faith that we might one day give our lives to him. The gift of his son came before the blessing of our repentance and salvation. We give our first fruits in much the same way. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Giving the first fruits of your income says to God, I recognize you first. I am putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest. So the book that we've read from and what we've just watched is often taking it from this book called Exodus. In the book of Exodus, God chooses first an individual, then it becomes a family, and then a people group. But the promise to Abraham was through you, all the nations one day on the earth would be blessed. And so we're living in the fruit of the promise, but it takes someone willing to fix their firsts, to engage it with their whole heart. But the book of Exodus is significant in 2019 for this reason alone. The book of Exodus is about being brought out of bondage and into a land of promise or a land of freedom. And that is true of every single one of our lives, that we are all being brought out of when some things have a hold on us to a place of freedom in Christ or a place of promise. It's true of all of us. Fixing our first is also understanding this, that we don't go first. God always goes first. God always goes first. Listen to this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Understanding now what you know about first fruits, understand, listen to this. We love because He what? Because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. God's love is not alone. We love because Jesus sacrificed and offered His life so that we could be redeemed, that He paid the penalty for our sin, that He died the death that we deserve so that He could give us a gift of His grace. Grace is that we need a Savior. Truth is that we need a Savior, that you and I, every human on the planet, no matter the size of our bank account, no matter our socioeconomic status, no matter our culture, no matter our gender, that every single one of us is in need of saving, that in and of ourselves, we can't do enough. So God went first. He loved, we love, sorry, because He first loves us. This book of Exodus is the best of your first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 continues to talk about it. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. Everyone say first fruits. Of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. There's a book that we have for sale called Beyond Blessed by Robert Morris that we're using as a compliment to it. It's available. It's a great Thanksgiving gift. That's the best sales pitch I can do. But here's what he says in it. I encourage you to pick it up. It's worth going through. And more importantly, it's worth allowing the principles to go through you, not you go through it. But the first portion is the redemptive portion. In other words, when the first portion is given to God, 
the rest is redeemed. So I want you to think about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday that is upcoming. What, what could be different in your life if you gave God the first five minutes of your day? What could be different if you gave God the next two minutes of your day? Will it change everything? Not in a day, it won't. But over time, it will begin to change the posture of your heart. Because on all of our hearts, there sits a ruler. That either it is a place where God sits or we sit. In the book of Exodus, again, which we've been reading from, it didn't take as long for the children of Israel to be taken out of Pharaoh's grip, although the years of slavery were long, but it took a long time for Egypt to come out of their hearts. And the same is true of you and the same is true of me. Now, you may be sitting here this morning saying, well, why are we talking about Old Testament things? Like, we're under the New Testament. Why are you talking about Old Testament stuff? Because we're under grace. We're not under that anymore. And sure, I understand that there are ceremonial things that we see back there, which we just read about a donkey that no longer apply today because Jesus was the one perfect sacrifice and he fulfilled it perfectly. All of that we see in the Old Testament was a shadow pointing to the substance of Jesus. However, we don't just throw it away because it's the same God in the Old Testament as in the New Testament. It's the identical one. And you see that God is very observant of worship. There's a story in the book of Luke where rich people were putting in to, you know, to the offering just out of the abundance. And this one widow presents this copper coin which seemed to have such little value. And it says that Jesus looked and he saw. So the God of heaven that we see is the same God presiding over Abraham who sees his sacrifice. Is the same God presiding in the New Testament in the person of Jesus who sees how we worship. And it matters to him. Again, some people say to me all the time, well, why are you talking about generosity? Again, it's, it's an Old Testament thing. Why do you talk about tithe? What are you talking about that? All of that went away. Okay, sure. Um, but you know what else is in the Old Testament? There's commandments around lying, murder, and adultery. Did those go away just because we're in the New Testament? Are you breathing? Okay. They, did, they didn't just go away. So yes, they're ceremonial things, but it's the same heart of God. And it's interesting to me because even in understanding generosity and understanding investment, I began to read books like The Wealthy Barber and various other ones. And you know what I discovered? If you read them, you discovered the exact same thing. The Wealthy Barber, for example, most, most books on investments and personal finances and budgeting and growing, you know what you'll find is absolutely remarkable? Is they take the principle of the tithe, the only thing they do is they inverse who sits on the throne. And so there's a principle in most financial books that every single paycheck that you get, the first thing you do, the first thing you do, your first fruit is pay yourself first. And the principle is pay yourself first. And guess what amount most of them come up with universally on their own? 10%. So they know the principle works, but we just do what humans always do. We substitute God off of that place, and we put in, in place ourselves. As followers of Jesus, you and I are called to first fruits, to put God first, to posture Him as provider of our hearts and of our lives. Thinking about it, have you ever taken a moment and thought about the first person to come up with the concept of a bank? Like, have you ever just thought about it? Because, again, I used to be really insecure as a pastor talking about anything that had to do with finances at all until I saw, until I saw how everybody else in our culture talked about finances. And then I kind of went like, well, wait a minute. Like, can you imagine the very first person who said, I had a brilliant idea. I had a brilliant idea. Here's my idea. You give me your money, 
and you give me your money, and then I'm going to take your money, and I'm going to make lots of money, and then when you need your money, now I'm going to provide security for it there, because you don't want to put it under your mattress, so I'll provide you security, but when you need your money, I'm going to charge you for it. <laughs> and somewhere along the way, we went, okay. Okay? Here's another one. You're watching the TV or you're on social media, whatever it is, and you see an ad and you go, I want that. I need that. And then you look at the amount and you go, I don't have that. And then what do they say? Don't worry that you don't have that. That's not, that's, that's not a problem at all. And you go, I thought it was a big problem. Like, I want that and it's $50 and then I look at my bank and I, 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 I don't have that but I still want that. And they say, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry about it. We'll give it to you today. And you say, today? And they say, yes, today. And you don't have to pay for it for six months. Well, at six months, I'll have $50, okay? And they had this little thing at the bottom saying, the only problem is if you don't in six months, we're going to charge you 45% interest. But other than that, you're golden. And we say, okay. And this is normal. And then we walk into church. We walk into church and someone says, hey, we're going to talk about generosity. And everyone's like, that's crazy. We as a nation are trying to spend our way out of problems. I mean, you know, it's not going to work long term. Are you still breathing? Oh. So I used to feel so insecure. Like, oh boy, oh boy. Again, until I saw that if you listen to culture, you'll find yourself enslaved to visa, enslaved to math. And I don't say this with any shame or any condemn whatsoever. Do you know the heart of us at Life Center? Do you know this building that you're sitting in is absolutely mortgage free? Paid and clear. But do you know this building is not the church? We're the church. And imagine, just imagine with me one day where we can say the church is debt-free. So Lord, may you teach us to live by different principles by fixing our first. Here's what I think is powerful. After explaining the heart of the first fruit, that 10% of what God provides belongs to the Lord, and when we're faithful to give it, he redeems the 90%. Here's what I want you to see. Exodus 13, verses 14 to 16. Same people. And when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? So in other words, passing it on to the next generation. You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Everyone say, the Lord brought us out. The Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals, first fruits. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord. Everyone say to the Lord. All the males that first open the womb, but by the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And it shall be a mark on your hand and on the frontlet of your eyes. For by a strong hand the Lord brought us out. Everyone say brought us out brought us out of Egypt. So the heart of generosity is love. 
which leads to our freedom. The head of generosity and the head of gratitude is the same. God, I'm going to give you the first of my time. God, I'm going to give you the first of my week. And for me, the first of the week begins on Sunday, not Monday. In commerce, it usually starts Sunday. In fact, and now in our culture, it's just 24-7. But for me, there's something significant about giving God this time. The first of my time, the first of my week, the first of my finances. And like maybe some of you, I'm learning to give God the first bits of my gratitude. And then by giving him my first fruits, which always feel insignificant, I am trusting God to redeem the rest.